Well, welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast, guys. And today I'm, again, I'm, I'm graced with the two special guests that we have. My two boys are here. At least he appreciates us. Mm-hmm. And or says he does. It's pretty cool because we're going to be talking turkeys still. We go. This is probably the last podcast of this season that we'll do on turkeys. I think until I kill another bird. Well, because we're we're rounding, we're winding down, we're getting there. Um, but you'll want to tune in next week because next week I think we're going to be talking about some deer stuff, which is crazy because um, some people uh, are, are like just New getting York started. And stuff. Yeah, I don't even know if they're just open yet. Yeah, and which is nuts because today is. Uh, the second day of May, and you know we're for us it's been open for three four weeks. So and it, we still got two weeks left, but that's what we wanted to talk about today was specifically the late season turkey hunters, you know, and um, and what you're dealing with and what we've been dealing with and how we have counteracted and made it successful for us. So um, we got a few tips and things like that. So <clears throat> with that being said, let's talk turkey, boys. You think he's got the biggest bird so far? Uh, as far as weight, what? Yeah, weight, beard. I didn't weigh mine or Joey's, but ours are definitely ours are probably like twenty three, twenty four is all. I, I, the two birds I killed on opening day, one of them was considerably bigger than the other one, and I felt like the, the one was average, which was like the one that Nick killed and Alyssa killed. Um, I didn't weigh them because it was pouring down raining, and so I didn't have a place to do it outside the rain. Mine was so big, the picture weighed 15 pounds. The picture weighed 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? That was I, I heard that from Shannon Sharp this morning. Did you know Steve Harvey? So shout out to those guys. If Steve Harvey and Shannon Sharp are actually listening to this. <laughs> Do you know they're big fishermen? I knew Steve Harvey was. Yeah. He well, owns the Chick-fil-A ranch with like nine lakes on it. Oh, so you saw the same TikTok I did. Is that what it was? Yeah, because Shannon Sharp, that's what he's like. He, he's like, how big a fish you got, Steve? And... Shannon's like, the, he's like, bigger than anything you've ever caught. And he's like, I got one so big that my picture weighed six pounds. <laughs> and I was like, that's good. I got I to gotta keep that one. I got I to gotta take note of that. But so I guess to answer your question, I think that I might have the biggest weighted bird this year. But Alyssa has blown us all away with spurs. Yeah, her, her spurs are those birds are huge. Yeah, she, they were inch and three quarters. So, or I mean, inch and three I don't eights. think we kill any of the like. Just giant butterballs, though, eights. that were... I measured them. I thought you just said yesterday they were an inch and, like, seven-eighths. I thought you said inch no. and five-eighths. No, inch and three-eighths. Oh. Inch and three-eighths, which is still a big, long hook. And they they look hooked. a lot bigger than an inch and a half, though. That shows you how long a freaking two-inch spur is. It's humongous. Uh-huh. Okay. It'll kill you, man. Probably good. I could go right through your jugular. And then I think I'm winning on beards. It's definitely combined. I don't even remember what my beard is. So. They've all been, like, ten... So They've been mark. around that ten mark, and but they've been some of the thickest beards we've ever killed, which has been mm-hmm. pretty cool. I just shoot. So let's talk about you're still hunting. So what are some of the tactics that you've switched to? Have you changed up what you're doing? Yeah, I haven't been. I've been a lot more mobile, and like I'm not. Uh, well, it depends on where I'm at, but I haven't been really caring to sit in a blind. Unless it's like in a but spot. But that's just that, a choice, right? That's not no, true. That's, you guys that's, no, sat that's in a blind depends for on five hours the other day. Would you, for once in your life, just listen? Um, <laughs> I do that a lot. I have chosen not to due to where we're at in some places, like where we were sitting on the hill the one time. Like, I'm not going to use a blind there. Well, there's no place for one there. There's no place, but I also don't care to give them any reason to even 
switch up their habits. But let's talk about that tactic because there's there's a tactic involved in that. Uh, the, as far as what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, so it's later in the season. We're not just getting these birds aren't just gobbling their heads off. You know, no, they're not talking at all. At least that specific bird is right. not. Um, but he's doing the same exact thing every day, to a T. I mean, as far as you know where he's going to be all day, you know where he's going to roost generally, or at least down to a couple options. Uh, you know where he's going to be in the evening, and you know that he's got one of two places that he's going into the trees. So you, all we've done with him, we haven't gotten a shot on him, but all you got to do is wait for the right day. We Now, every time we've gone and sat, it's been <laughs> he either wins. freaking raining or super windy or some weird weather that comes in that, they don't even end up doing what they're doing. Well, we met, we messed up. I mean, not you, but I have hunted the same bird like four times. You've hunted him three, two, two or, or three. three yeah. yeah. And we, we messed up on him. I mean, we had him. We, when, when Easton says we have him down to a, like knowing what they were doing, we had this bird down to knowing a place where he's crossing the fence, coming through the fence. And so we set up on that going, okay, we just got to wait him out. And Nick and I were sitting there that day and the mistake was we saw him strutting about 150 yards from us, but he was headed east. I mean, I'm sorry, he's headed west. And so we decided to try to cut him off. And because we had, had had him close the day before, he had been right there. And we thought that he got around us and went down to the west a little bit. So we circled around there, got in there, and everything was perfect, man. I mean, we were set up and saw hens, like, just milling around, feeding right in front of us. We're like, this is game on. And then all of a sudden we heard a gobble back up in the field where, where we had been sitting, and we watched Mr. Tom Turkey walk right through the fence opening there where we had been waiting on him and go right through there. He's left his hens for that? No, he was following two hens. Oh. They all three came across and went through there. So and then he so and then what he did was he got into the got across the fence onto our side and then pitched right in a tree right there. So there was nothing we could do with him. The next day we tried. We came back and tried to set up on the other side of him. and But I knew the chances of getting him to leave those hens was not good. Well, in that, in that situation, too, is um, there's not I, – I've I've tried to – like with deer, you can, get, you can figure out pretty well that like throughout the summer they're going to have a pattern. And there's a certain time frame in there where they're going to start changing that pattern, whether it's when they shed their velvet – then they get to a new pattern or they go to something completely new after another week or two. With turkeys, I feel like depending on the time of the season, I've been trying to find like, okay, when are they going to be more patternable? When are they not? And maybe I'm wrong, but as opposed to the first week of the season, they're doing the same things for a little, like they do them for spans. And and it doesn't matter what time of, time of year it is. So like I had birds that were going to the same spot every day for about a week. And then they just stopped doing that. Granted, we hunted them, but then they went and did the same thing somewhere else, as long as you find it. The only difference, like with this one, is in it being later in the season, I don't, we didn't want to call to him. We, is, one, because they weren't calling. And two, because if they're naturally doing something, don't add anything. Right. Don't, don't. And just, just be as natural as possible. Um, it, but other situations, I'll just try to be where they're at. And I still may throw decoys out and stuff because I know they're going to be there. But later in the season, like right now, I don't want to give him that one specifically with how naturally we're hunting him. I didn't want to give him anything like even, even to the point where we are like, we may not even throw the, like the Reaper decoy up. Um, when we, when he comes closer, right. we may just leave it 
and try to maybe use it to where he can't see it till he's close enough and use it just to cover me up to get to full draw. But other than that, it's, I mean, that's, that's uh, a really diff. We normally don't hunt them that, that patterned or that yeah. actually. I can it's only a, think of bushy beard is the only one that you've done similar to that. Yeah. Um, but, it, but I'm like, but right, we've been close. I mean, that's the thing is once you do pattern them and they are doing the same thing, guy can get in there. Like I said, it's we have just getting doing going right consistently. We, we haven't added decoys, no blind. No, we're just sitting against a tree. And one of these times you'll do it. Right. You know? Um, the other thing that I've been doing is it just depends. Like I'll sit in a blind if I can, I'd prefer it, but there's certain places like we we're talking about that the birds don't want to like, it's, we don't know what it is, right. but the only time we've killed a bird this year is not in a blind out of that player on that place. And so, it just depends on where I'm at. I've ob- pretty much everywhere I'm at, I've cut down on calling. I don't call nearly as much. I try to just try to be where they're at more so than bringing them to me. Um, I've not, I've I haven't put a tom decoy out unless I've been with you. I haven't put a tom decoy out in the past week and a half, probably two weeks. Just had and, a hen or two hens. And you feel like that's because the birds that you're hunting have been hunted some. I think that it they've been hunted some, and for whatever reason, I want to be as discreet as possible. Like, so, like, if they're going to come up and see something, it's going to be something simple. And if it's going to be something simple, it's just going to be a, a lone hen or another two hens standing there that they would be comfortable seeing. And something where they don't see a fan from 100 yards away or something like that and know that they're going to be getting into a fight or they're going to have to fight. Unless I find the right birds that are dominant enough, like the three you guys had. Right. Um, but I'm not not worried nearly as much on uh, calling or decoys as much now. I'm more so trying to just get in the perfect spot, be a little quieter, maybe have a, a hen or something out, and let them kind of do their things and make their own decisions to come to me. And I and I would agree with that right up until, and I don't want to get into that one yet, but on Alyssa's bird, Alyssa killed the last turkey that we've killed. Mm-hmm. And so it was the latest. And, and I would say that I was erring on the side of, do I throw throw a decoy out here or not? But what I'm now trying to hunt is trying to find birds that I think may have not been messed with. Yep. And if you can find that, they'll still react the same way. So well, if that's I'm, the case, I'm still good. If I know that there's a section here where I'm like, okay, there's really good chance these birds haven't been touched, I'm just going to go out in the same way I always right. would. Yep. So, I'm wondering, do you think that there's uh, I'm doing. I'm trying to read on this, and I'm finding some information, but probably not enough to be able to do it right now, but do you think that there's periods of the – mating season with turkeys like there is with deer so you know you got pre-rut where bucks are out looking for kind oh, of for sure just getting started they're not looking for does yet or chasing every doe they may check one or two but they're more starting to hit scrapes establish their areas you know and then you get into your rut where peak breeding season and then you get into your like your post rut where you can you know you can catch those really big bucks out traveling um do you think that we'll go into a time where you get a little later in the season and these birds start going nuts, you know, where those toms are looking for the last hens to breed or they know that it's getting close because I, I don't think it really works the same as deer. You know, they're not having to go find those hens because the hens come to them. But do you think there's like a period where they're like they know it's almost over and so he goes a little bit more loony than he usually would? I think we're there. And I really so you do. do. you think that's a thing that I do think it, I think that there's cycles to it for sure I think there's a peak of when they're breeding and and I think some of the states actually plan their their seasons why they do them the way they do them is to avoid that 
you know, in like back east and stuff where seasons are just starting, they wanted to make sure some of those hens did get bred and, and you know, that they are on their way. I also think that's a lot more random, though, <clears throat> compared to a deer. Like in a, in a deer reference, you can kind of tell they all will start to go be doing the same things once they're in the center of it. Like, we're in the center of the rut. We can tell because there's bucks walking around stuck to the butt of a doe, and there's you, you just all sorts of different things. With turkeys, I feel like it's you, we might be in that time of year, but it's a matter of if you find the right one. Right. Because it's not like they're just all running around trying well, to beat the crap out of everything or whatever else. It's but, still, the, but to some extent, there is little that. I mean, that's how we killed Nick's bird. I mean, if he you was, can find the right yeah, one. Yeah, he was gobbling his head off at 9.30 in the morning, you know, nobody around. And, and but so even we, that bird wasn't moving, though. No, he you was. You guys had to work him yeah, but, properly to get him to actually go somewhere. Right. That's what I'm saying is do you think that you're going to get to a period here where even a bird that's been messed with is is fired up enough that, you know, 9.30 in the morning or whatever, hens have left, and he hears a call that he's, he's coming. coming running. I you freaking know? hope so. I don't think so. That's I, not, like I the first week or two you could get. Like even the hens right now get more difficult to call in, I think. Well, and that's because the, the hens have a nest to go to. Yeah. You well, see a lot more single hens, two hens together, and they got a nest to go to, and that's where they're going to sit. So that's where that becomes difficult. I think what you're referring to, the reason why I say that you may not see what you're talking about is because that's changing the entire dynamic of turkeys. Turkeys know that if they gobble and a hen answers, she's supposed to come to him. That's yeah. how it's supposed to work. Not necessarily for a white-tailed deer. You know, just because a buck is going through the woods, he has to go find, seek out that doe. I even think the does avoid the bucks sometimes yeah. Oh, yeah. because they're so aggressive. That's what I'm just saying. Is there a desperation stage for a turkey? You know, I, where where it... Like elk is a great example. Elk is the best example that I can give to this. Is your big bulls? I don't feel like they do this because they've been doing so much breeding. But you know as well as I do, those younger bulls or those bulls that haven't been able to do any breeding, you get into the later part of September, and they hear a call and they're they are losing their shit. You know, like you find the right one. Right. It's not all of them, but you find the right one where he bugles and then you hit one more call and he's already another hundred yards closer. Like he's not even thinking about it. Like you could have probably messed with that bull in the first week. And he maybe came or he got, you know, he busted you or whatever, where by that, the last week of September, he's so possessed that he's not thinking straight at all. You know, he just hears a cow and here he comes. And I, and I still say, I don't think it's ever going to be that because the nature of, of the animal. Yeah. You that, know? And that's and I, just what I was, you yeah, know. But I think the turkeys do, I mean, it, it, if they're gobbling and answering and stuff like that, you can take advantage of that. And I guess, you know, that's – but before I talked about the tactics that we've used, um, I wanted to talk about you've switched to a gun. You filled it, filled your archery tag, so now you just said, I'm going to go with a gun. What have you changed? Are you changing how you're hunting or – He just doesn't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true completely. <laughs> I've been waiting for Alyssa to kill one. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to fun hunt. To me – Sitting in, I like, I give you guys props because I couldn't do that. Like the other night, you two, when you guys sat there, these two sat in the rain for probably, I don't know, five hours or something like that, no, waiting no. on that bird that they're talking about. It's only to, it's like two three, hours. Two and a half, three. <laughs> Dude, and it you guys wasn't left rain. the office at like 3.30. But it wasn't raining the whole time. Only like two hours of. Yeah. <laughs> it was when but I no walked blind. out of the office and when I got to wherever I was going, it was still raining. 
was hours later. But we were seeing turkeys. Yeah. I mean, so we, we were had a little a wet, but <laughs> but not calling to them, nope. not doing it. to me. That isn't. That's not. Um, I mean, it's turkey hunting. It's not what turkey hunting is to me. To me, is what I'm going to do for the remaining days that I go out. I want to go and find a bird that's gobbling. And if he doesn't, I'm going to walk another 100 yards and hit a call and walk another yards and hit a call and walk another 100 yards and hit a call until I can find one that will play. And if I can't, that's okay with me. I would rather do that than just sit and wait for one because my a, patience for turkeys is just gone. i got none left. It was never there to start with. It's because it, my I'm patience not... with anything like that. Deer is the only thing that I can that I can really sit there for. And even that, that's why I've, told, I've said on this podcast, I'll never do an all-day sit because I just can't sit that. I can't sit still that long. That's part of what I love about elk and um, you know, and Western hunting a lot is that I don't have to sit still, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the, like what we did the other day. That's not my preference, but the reason I'm okay with doing that is because it's a completely, I've never killed a bird like that. I've never found a bird at that time of year where he's doing the same freaking thing every day. And it's just a matter of time before he comes in the right way. And then if he does come in the right way, it's going to be difficult. It's still like a lot of things have to go right for that one to work. So that one, it's not the most fun type of turkey hunting to me, but it's also another challenge. It's a, you're not sitting with a blind, you're doing it with your bow. The best cover you have is maybe a reaper decoy if you want to keep it up. And you got to time everything right and time them right. You got to be patient with them. And it's not as interactive. I would much rather have the mornings where you go and you find a bird that's gobbling or whatever and you're calling to him and you're working him in and he's gobbling than that. But it's, the challenge part, I think, for me, that is, uh, I'm okay with, like, that, no, that's not going to be my preference, but I'll do it 100%. Because yeah. if I could do it, it's going to be pretty okay. impressive. Depends on how much you really want to try to fill a tag. Yeah. You to know? me, that's not worth it. <laughs> well. Dad made the comment of, I feel like we're sitting here waiting on a 180-inch deer. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was poured down right now. I was like, said, yeah, maybe a 10-inch beard. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, and you guys have both alluded to it a little bit i think the one thing that i've changed when i'm hunting with someone that's carrying a gun this time of year or if i'm hunting with someone like yourself where you got your bow but you want to be more mobile we want to like go to these different places instead of packing a blind we're simply packing a reaping decoy what we're talking about is a strutting tom and we're using it as cover um, again we're only doing this in places where we know that we're safe to do it but it's the way so true reaping, in my opinion, is you spot a bird out in a field yep. and then you just grab the reaper and you start crawling at them and then they hopefully will break and come to you or they'll take off and run off. That's true turkey reaping. We kind of have combined it with some calls and things like that to try to work them to come to a call. But then when they get so close, they see the reaper. And that's what we did with Nick the other day. <clears throat> so he and I had been... We had been the evening before set up on the birds you're talking about that were coming through the fence. They got through the fence, roosted. We couldn't, We there's no place to hunt them that morning without, we had to stay about 200 yards away, which yeah. I knew was too far. There's but the, but we're going oh, hey. to try and see. Stop. So we get set up and, it, of course, they go the other direction on us, which is kind of what I expected. Well, then I told him, we just have to find the right turkey. We need to find one that's doing the right thing and we have a chance. So it's now like 9.15 or something, and I told him we're going to come about this in a completely different way. Um, and so instead of going into the farm from the north or from the south and coming into the way we normally come, we came from the west. 
and hopped up over a ridge. And so we, I knew we didn't touch anything because when we come in from the south, we have to walk or drive through some fields. And when we do that, I think sometimes we could be busting birds and we don't know it. So we came in from this direction, hit a call trying to locate a, a turkey that we had been hearing that morning. We're like, I knew there was one over there. Couldn't hear him, but heard another one. And this one was far away, four or 500 yards. And but he was gobbling every breath, and I mean it was like not calling to him, or I mean he was just gobbling on his own. So I said, let's go see if we can get set up. And we were going to tradition do. I had a blind set up in the field where we stopped, and made a couple calls. And I mean this bird is answering every single time you touch a call. And finally, after about 25, 30 minutes, so the first technique that I employed <clears throat> is I walked around the blind. I walked around like kind of a food plot that I have there and tried to get the bird to think that there was hens feeding. I even swapped calls a couple times as I did that and that there was birds in this area wouldn't work. But he was 400 yards away probably. And so he just stayed where he was at. So then we decided I'm going to try and do a drive-by on him. And I know that sounds like a gangster hood like, <laughs> you know, but. Cause what was your piece? Huh? My piece was twenty gauge single Nick, shot. Yeah, Nick with a twenty gauge and me with a Reaper decoy. Because so it's not a real deadly piece. And boy, this was a weird out bitch <laughs> drive by. So what we did was we started walking, turning up to butter. We, we started walking toward the turkey, kind of, but flanking him. So not going directly at him, but going in his direction. Kind of angling past him. Exactly. And every time that we would go seventy five, eighty yards, something like that, I'd hit a call. And fortunately, he would gobble every time that I hit that call. So I knew he knew we were moving. And, man, we got within, I'm going to say, 150 yards maybe, something like that. And he started moving toward us. And I was like, okay, that's what we needed. Well, we were in the perfect grass to pull, employ the Reaper decoy. I don't know that we needed it. I think we could have possibly done what we had done and then just kept calling and he would have come into that grass looking for us but he was out at about 50 yards 45 50 yards when he started to pass us and so then we got the decoy held up high enough that he saw it once he saw it then that was it man he came to 16 yards and that was a perfect one to do with your bow too it would have been you could have you could have actually done that with a bow and arrow but but nick did a good job and made a good shot and we killed another big bird another two-year-old bird Yep. Um, so, but there, that was, if you were to talk about a turkey warren like you're talking about, that was kind of, I, even though he wasn't running to us, he was gobbling like, I need to find a hen. I need a hen to answer me. Yeah, yeah but that was the right bird to go after because yeah. he was fired up. Yep, he was doing his thing. And yep. so that made it really, really. Um, that makes it a heck of a lot easier, whether you can see or hear them, when you have to move on birds oh. to know where they are. While you're moving on oh, them, because if you don't, you're it, a lot of times you probably are or did move to the right spot or moved to somewhere where you, if you did it right, you didn't bust them or anything. But wherever you're getting to, you may not be able to see them. And holy cow, the amount of trust you have to have in your gut like, okay, I know I'm in the right spot and I know they're right over that hill. We just got to give them time, makes it extremely difficult. Extremely. I, I mean, I guarantee you. And then, too, you go too far, you jump them. Yep. You don't know it. Yep. You know, and then you can't figure out why you shut up or whatever. Um, that's where this bird was super helpful because every time I stopped and checked, you know, let's just see. He was just letting you guys know, just come over a little bit further. A little bit further. And I, you guys can shoot me, you know. Yep. <laughs> How good do you think their hearing is? Really, really good. good. 
like significantly better than ours. Oh, way better. Humans. I think. I so. think they're rated. Or if you read about it, their um, vision is incredible, yeah, especially with the field. Like 300 of, yeah, degrees. I know they can see, really but their good. hearing is incredible as well. Well, th- I can tell you this. We'll get there in just a second when we talk about Alyssa's turkey. The wind was blowing 30 miles an hour. That's not even an exaggeration. I was looking at my phone, and it was saying that we had wind sustained at 22 miles an hour, and we were getting gusts of 30 to 40 miles per hour. And so it's blowing the decoy all over the place and things like that. And that bird was able to, I couldn't believe that he could hear me, but I could tell that when I hit a call that he was answering me, yeah. you know, and so... Yeah, no, they can hear very, very well. Are you finding some statistics that say? Yep. It says, outstanding hearing is an asset to all prey species. Dixon's comp- compilation of wild turkey experts reveal that a wild turkey's hearing is acute, although it lacks the external ear flaps, or pinna, which concentrates the sound waves. Field observations suggest turkeys hear lower frequency and more distant sounds than humans. That's weird for having such small ears. Well, and their uh, eyes, not only can they see... Is it 270 or is it 315 want, It's like degrees, 300 degrees. Something yeah. like that. There's only one sliver right behind them that they can't see. Right. But the the field of vision, but also their, like Movement. how far they can, like oh, they can they, see very, very well and detailed. I, I can't remember what they said it is. It's not a, what, antelope or 10 by 42 binoculars or something. Some Like seven power binoculars yeah. on their head. Yeah, I can't think of what. It's or what 275 degrees, I think. Let's see. Well, the thing is, when they but they they pick up on the slightest movement. I think it's two seventy or three fifteen. Well, and they're constantly moving their head. In addition to their incredible visual acuity, turkeys have a field of view of two hundred seventy degrees. Dang, I'm good. Come on, come on. I need three hundred. I said two hundred seventy degrees or three hundred fifteen. It's one of the two. This is impressive on its own, but when you consider how turkey strategically bobs its head and rotates its neck, it's almost constantly taking in what's going on at a full hundred three full three hundred sixty degrees around it. Yeah, they do a very good job of the, the like what you're saying the movement. I think if it wasn't for their uh, for their fan when they're strutting, it'd be impossible to kill one like he did outside the blind. Yeah, You'd never get the full draw. If, if here's the thing, if turkeys could smell, oh, we'd never kill them. There'd be huge population booms. Yeah, because <laughs> we wouldn't be, be killing them. They would be really hard to kill. They would be they they would be like atop of the food chain. Yeah. So thank goodness they don't smell you. All right, but let's. Other tips we got. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Alyssa's because that's the last one. I mean, that was just a day ago um, or two days ago. And this one, I went back to first day of hunting. Yeah. Basically, Um, I pulled out all the decoys. I went to a blind that had been, um, that I set up before the season. Um, I walked by the turkeys to get to that blind. I mean, it literally did not stop where I would normally say, okay, I want to set up here. Um, I just trusted my gut and said, okay, I'm going to make them come to that north field. That's what I call the place where I had the blind set up is the north field. And I said, well, if I can get them to come to the north field. But I felt like we were pretty far away because we had that strong, strong wind. And that's this. And and I'll tell you what, as you hunt more, anyone out there listening – and you have experience, like I killed two of them in the rain this year. And I'm not a big fan of the rain. I don't like it. But this makes two times in a row that the really, really hard winds, because Joey's last year was just as windy as it was today or yesterday, um, 
we're still killing turkeys. You just got to get close enough to hear them. It's just hard to hear them and hard to make yep. sure they hear you. And and that was the issue that I had. So that morning when we set out the decoys, so Alyssa's my shooter. I'm running the camera. And I get in the, before I get in the blind, though, I made a few calls to try to make sure that that bird did hear me. I wanted, and it sounded like just one turkey. I mean, that's all we were hearing was one gobble. And, but I knew I got him to answer before I climbed in the blind. Once I got in the blind, shut up for a while. And then, and then I kind of was doing what, and you probably are mimicking me, or we just have seen that in that I was limited on what I was calling. I was like, all right, just don't overdo this. Well, I was wrong. It wasn't until she shot the bird at 745 in the morning or almost 8 o'clock, something like that. Yet we've been talking to him since 545. And it wasn't until, number one, this is something that people need to, you need to listen. Don't go turkey hunting with just one call. Yeah. I switched calls. Well, I might have multiple, but man, do I have, or I, I have one that I'm using. But yep. boy, am I loaded up with a lot of other calls. Well, I mean, I have relied on my diaphragm call 100% this year pretty much. But I switched to a, a, the slate call. And when I switched to the slate call, it was like I turned on a whole new system. Um, I don't know if it was because the wind was blowing and it's sharper. It's I think they were hearing it more clearly yeah. where maybe they weren't picking up exactly where I was before. But when I switched to that, and then I also switched my cadence, I went, instead of yelping at those turkeys, I started just cutting at them. And, man, when I started cutting at them, they were freaking out. And to the point where you're like, I should be able to see these turkeys. I should be able to see these turkeys. and But it still took them 20 minutes before they yeah. finally showed up. But when they came in, they came in just like they did on the first day. They saw that decoy, and here they came. But I knew we had a piece of information from our night before's hunt because we hunted a piece of property that had not been hunted. We got permission from someone, and he was like, yep, you guys are welcome to hunt there. And I was like, oh, boy, because I had been driving by this place, and I knew no one had been hunting in there. And I was like, here we go. Well, he's a farmer, and he had to run the property. Yeah. He, he told us that. He said, I'm got, I've got to go in and do some work in there, but you're welcome to hunt. And he, we felt like he ran the turkeys out. You know, now not that they would have left. We, we actually thought that it was going to help us to use it yeah. there, so we get set up. Yeah, because I was because they were there so often in yeah. in this particular cornfield that we didn't think we could get in there. Yeah, well, they, turkeys don't seem near as tolerant as deer during season of any vehicles. Uh-huh. You know, like deer, you can get away with you drive the truck by them, don't stop, and a lot of times, unless they're somewhere where they're getting poached a bunch, uh, you know, you're okay. And the farmer can drive his tractor by them whenever. Turkeys, it seems like it doesn't matter what rig it is they don't like it we're moving yeah well that's that that gave you the information too knowing that evening that you had three new birds probably close to you yep on a different piece yep and that that's one of the reasons why we went where we went um the other one was getting out the evening before and owl hooting at him and got him to gobble and that helped Knowing. He calls it owl hooting. I really feel like it's, it's more just, of yelling. just yelling. Yeah, I just I just like to make sure it's loud enough Yours that it's actually don't. really good. I don't know how you do it, but With my mouth. Yeah, it's not quite. It's not loud enough though. Yeah, my, mine's not very good, but it's really loud. I yeah, would say that's really the loud. one con of a of a diaphragm is that it when you know how to use them, it becomes such a convenience that you get lazy and you don't use anything else. Yeah, I don't. There's several times I didn't take my other calls with me, and I wonder now if I was missing opportunities where I might have gotten a bird to respond because I wasn't even 
try on the others. Yeah. See, I, I, if anybody gets the opportunity to do it, do it because I learned this from the first morning that me and Joey sat. We had the two birds, the two toms that flew down at 40, 50 yards. And goodness gracious, was I more annoyed with those birds than any other birds because they just strutted right there and they would not come any closer. But it was a great learning experience for me because I basically got to sit there and one, teaching Joey how to hunt with his bow for turkeys and two i'm like okay i'm calling it this bird like this and he's not really like he'll strut right there but he doesn't do much but i can't get him to come in so then i would switch i'm like let's see if i can start swapping through some calls here and see what they like more or what they don't and you could literally see the different right there just the fact of switching a different call that okay now they may not they still wouldn't come in but one of them would gobble or one of them would start strutting, the other one would start strutting with the first one, things like that. And so you can really start to learn that a difference in a call is huge sometimes because be. sometimes all you got to do is switch one little thing and they're like, okay, that's it. Because I've I've even heard you have like a really raspy mouth call versus just a little less raspy mouth call and they won't gobble at one, then you throw the other one in and boom, right there. It's like they're just looking and it's day to day. It's like yep. what well, the next day they might be feeling something else, and you got to figure it out. But that if you ever get the chance to have birds close, where you can kind of give them a couple different options, then you can watch their body language, see how they act with it, and what they may maybe don't like very much, and you just learn a lot. And I had two hours of throwing every call I had in my pocket out to these birds to see what they liked and what they didn't, and how they liked it. Well, and that's the the. We, I know we've talked about it in the other podcast. Patience, patience, patience. The other morning, like I said, this started at 545, and we hit a spot about 630, I think it was, for about 30 minutes where the birds shut up. And I, and I think a lot of people would have given up at that point, would have been like, oh, they must have moved on. Because, I mean, we didn't hear them at all. They weren't, I was throwing calls. They're not hearing me. Now, again, the one thing that I kept telling myself is the wind is blowing that hard. They could be gobbling, and I'm not hearing. He's not them. hearing it. Yeah. And but at the same time, I was like, we're going to stick this out. Number one, we're 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 committed to the blind and the decoys that we have setting there, you know. And I was like, I don't want to try to move on them. And but it was it was, I'd say it was a good 35, 40 minutes. And so that's something that I would tell people is that's not uncommon. It happens a lot where you hear the gobbling from the tree hit the ground. They might gobble some still, and then somewhere in there, they just quit. Don't leave. Hold on, hold on. I mean, give them 30 minutes, 45 minutes. See what, because all of a sudden they gobble again. And maybe, and in this particular case, they didn't gobble again right where they were. They had moved some into the field I was talking about that I didn't want to walk through. And I was like, heck yeah, I think they're up closer. So, and but that was the first time that I had broke out the slate call. Yeah. The, the moment that I used the slate call, everything changed. And, and they came straight to the slate call. Matter of fact, as soon as I saw them, though, um, once I could see them, I f I'm pretty sure they could see the decoy. I didn't have to hit another call. They were coming. They came on a run. And yeah, I never understood, like, why you'd want to carry multiple calls, like uh, slate calls, but, like, a genuine slate call versus a glass pot call. Oh, sound my different. gosh. They, I mean, yeah, they sound different, but holy cow, they react completely different, too. Another pro tip for anybody out there that I went through this year of mouth calls, I've never, I've, I've just never been good at them or taking the time to genuinely try to learn them. So I'm like, okay, I got to get to the point where I can use these proficiently or 
That's right, right? Proficiently, yeah. Here we freaking go with words again. (laughs) Anyways, I wanted to get to the point where I was comfortable enough to, like, I could use my mouth call without anything. If you're questioning yourself, what I did, if I had birds answering and stuff, I need to practice. I need to be, like, I practice outside of the blind and stuff when I'm at home and things like that. But you got to practice in the woods. And so what I would do is I would call to them, and I'm like, as long as it sounds all right, keep calling and stuff and just see if you can get some answers and things like that. But at the same time, sometimes I would just use my slate call and then call with my mouth call because I know it doesn't, even if it sounds terrible, they're going to hear a good hen call in there. So you can kind of cover yourself up so you can learn your mouth call. Everybody can do it. One of the best things, though, that someone can do if you want to learn how to blow any call or use any call, and that's listen. Mm -hmm. When those hens are in, in, just listen to those hens and it's almost like it etches into your brain and you can hear that because there are hens that sound like a slate call. There's hens that sound like a box call. There's hens that sound like a diaphragm call. And then there's hens that don't, that are horrible. They sound just terrible. Yeah, they sound like a smoker. Here's, so, a, here's a question for you. Okay. In the certain situation, like we'll go over decoys and stuff. You go to a certain place, you're like, there's tons and tons of jakes here. So maybe I'm going to throw a Tom decoy out so that I don't put another jake into the mix. And there's all sorts of different things you can do. But as far as calls, if you're in a certain area, you hear you're listening to hens and you hear just a really clean hen yelp or something, are you trying to match that or are you trying to give them a completely different type of hen? Um, there's two ways I'll go about it. One, I I like to mimic hens. I mean yeah, I'll, I, I I'll copy what they do, but right. I mean as far as trying to copy like exactly how they sound. Would you like if it's a, a really clean hen versus raspy? Would you do a clean? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I'll okay. try to mimic them as closely as I can. That that it, whether I got to pull out a different call to do that. Yeah. Um, but then the other one is, I find that a lot of times when I'm hearing a hen, cutting is something that really agitates them. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I don't know whether you're saying that you're just much louder, but it definitely has an effect on them. Now. I've seen, when I've seen most of the cutting from turkeys, it's been when they come in and then they're trying to find you. They're like, okay, I came all the way over here and now where are you? And then they'll start cutting real loud. And so anyhow, I don't know if that's what they're, they're assuming that someone has showed up there that wasn't there before. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on. But the other one that I employed the other day on Alyssa's, and like I said, this is late in the season is I, that might be the latest that I've ever used the freak out session where I got two, three calls going at once. And, you know, just to sound like it's a flock of turkeys over here messing around. So if you guys are over there gobbling, maybe you'll, because I do think once we got out of the blind, after she shot, we jumped two or three hens. I think they left those three hens to come over to us. Um, You know, uh, so I don't know. I can't swear to that, but the three hens that we jumped were right where the toms had come from. So, um, so I think what is so for late season, give people three tangible tips that they can go out and apply right now. One is later in the day. That would be the number one that I would tell them that be be ready to not kill turkeys till late in the morning, meaning okay. two three hours after daylight, um, and and um, don't expect them to just freak out. But if you find that freaking out turkey. Do whatever you can to get close to that turkey. He's killable. Okay. Um, so, w- one, be more patient as far as stay in the woods longer. Or go later. Don't even be afraid to, like, if you got something that you got to go do, but you got, you know, if you can go get your stuff done first thing in the morning, yes, you give up the knowing where they're at off the roost. But How much later, though? An hour? Eight three thirty, hours? nine o'clock. 
I, I mean, that not. You don't that, think that's going to be tough to find them, though, at that point? I, if you yeah. know your birds well enough, you probably have a good idea where they're at. I I really, especially this time of year, I like that nine nine thirty, ten o'clock to one o'clock. Okay, so that's one, one is stay in the woods later. Yep, eight thirty to ten thirty. Okay, number two. Two is I would scout as much as you possibly can and see if you can pattern a bird, because it seems like now they'll get into a situation where they're just doing like this bird that Easton's talking about. It was. I, I didn't go by there today. Typically, I drive by that place to look and see if they're out there, and I didn't go by there today. But it was probably six or seven days in a row that that bird, he was in that field every single day. Yep. You know, so that would be number two, I would say, is look for that pattern. Scout them and pattern them. Scout them and pattern them. If you and, can. And then number three, I would say um, don't be afraid to switch calls. You're gonna have to be. You're gonna have to be a little more um, finesse, because some of these birds are gonna have been messed with. You're gonna have to be able to work. You're gonna have to. Don't be afraid to change your decoy setups. Don't be afraid to sit with no decoys. Um, you get birds that are starting to scout. That I mean, starting to skirt around you, and it's time to pull decoys. So three is get creative. Get creative. Do you think that when bird has it figured out, you know? He, he does the deal where he, we've all had it. He steps out in the field and he sees the decoy and stuff and he's coming to the calls and then he's gone. Do you think he's associating the blind with danger, the decoys with danger, or both? Like, um, I see a box and I see turkey decoys and I've seen this before and I'm out. Like, do you think if you just had the decoys that he may still come? Or if you had no decoys and just a blind, then he may be like, oh, okay. Do you no, think I, there's I, a specific one he's... I think the, associating with danger. the blind and decoys is number one. It looks just like what he's expecting to see. And then decoys, the only thing that might get him on the decoys is now that we're able to employ some movement with some of the th- techniques that we have where They're we have remote alive. control. They look alive. Yeah. Um, be, I, I just I go back to the three birds when you killed the one where you ran across the field and that they wouldn't come anywhere near our setup. And, yeah. and we had a blind, and we had three decoys out. And then the moment that you started crawling out there with that reaper, you didn't get out of our decoy setup. We had well, a moving decoys, though. I couldn't then. remember whether we did there or not. Yeah. I don't think we did. No, we did. Well, I'm telling you right now, the okay. movement is— I just don't is, think it was enough. Right. The movement is great, but sometimes it, you're either moving them too much or they don't— I don't know what the deal is because those same two birds, two hours, literally stood there and strutted at 40 yards, and my tom decoy is spinning. And not like crazy spinning, but like spinning actually <laughs> Donuts. doing well. Like I'm like, man, this looks really good. I don't right. have anything on it. And it's turning when I want it to and stuff just because of the wind. And they did not come in until I gave them a different type of movement. And and that really was what you did. I mean, you just crawled out there. But once, as soon as Warren crawled out there, they just like, right at you. oh, here, I'm going over there. Yeah. So, but I mean, if if you take I think that. that might have been a nap. I think that might have been like a cordial agreement of, hey, you're over there and you got your one hand or whatever, so we're we're cool. But then when we start, when I started coming at them, they're, they're like, uh, no, you're not going to enter our zone. You right. know what I'm saying? That's what I felt you like. Better that be was careful, the, son. Yeah, Come you better know where you're stepping. <laughs> so I saw territory. I de- I definitely think that that's where moving decoy, where reaping, if you're it's legal and it's safe where you're doing it, can be lethal. That second half of the season. 
Um, it can be lethal at the beginning half, but you don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to employ it. Yeah. So, no, I think that those are some good things to like um, watch and see. We've had, uh, we've honestly had a better late season than what we've had in the past. I, I feel like our, I know people listening are probably like, gosh, you guys have killed nine or 10 turkeys or whatever. Um, there's several of us hunting. We're putting a lot of hours in. We've had opening weeks that were better. Last oh, yeah. year, for instance, was a better opening week. Um, I haven't had as many call-in cycles, you know, where I've had. I, 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 we haven't. We just haven't been on as many turkeys. Other j- than like where I shot my bird, but that was a one watt of them, and they still were right. not going anywhere. But they're just. We haven't had as many turkeys as last year. Period. I don't think. No, and the other one, and, and I don't know about. I think you might have, but <clears throat> I've not seen a single strutting Jake. I've I've seen Jake's, but not one strutting. I've seen a couple this year. Have you? Mm-hmm. Actually, I've seen a couple that are strutting. It. Oh, one that day that your phone went off. Not strutting though. Was he? A pack of like ten that came in. Yeah. You say a pack? <laughs> you just say a pack? <laughs> Our cameraman just said pack when he was describing turkeys. That's like you don't say that. That's flock of turkeys. Anyways, yeah, I've seen. But I've also seen multiple jakes with hens when there's plenty of toms in the area. And there's three, four jakes with heads strutting oh. around. I've also seen a lot of jakes hanging out with toms. I see that periodically. That's, I don't. That's not I, that surprising. I've seen it every once in a while, but not as fr- – like this this year, it's like they're always together. You see that in Nebraska a bunch. I've seen well, more I've bearded hens this year than I've ever seen. Still, there's always one. a lot of bearded hens. Yeah, but I don't ever see them, and I still ain't got to shoot one. In though, mom passed one. I think you're wrong. There's some bearded hens. There's not a lot, dude. I've got video at one of our places of eight together, together. with beards. When it was in the fall, a few years ago when we were deer hunting, so I was like, look all at this. Together. Yeah, it was a they freaking. Been, it was a whole gaggle of bearded hens. They they're were taking some kind of. I think. I wonder if they, they all came from the same pill. hatch. I don't know. Maybe. I'll I'll try and find the video. Maybe they're all friends with each other or sisters. Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. Yep. Their mom has bad genes. All right. Well, is there anything else we want to add? I think that's what we wanted to just kind of give some people the last little bits of tips and techniques, man, because and then make sure you're spraying yourself for ticks because the ticks and the at, yeah. and the chiggers have been atrocious mm-hmm. lately. But other than that, um it's fun to hear them. I mean, they're still gobbling at, in the mornings and gobbling in the evenings. And um, and we'll hear them all the way up into camp. You know, like the second, third week of June, we'll still hear birds gobbling. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Well, cool. Anything else before I wrap this up? That's it. All right, fellas, guys and gals, we sure appreciate you guys. We want to ask you again. Make sure that you guys are filling out the reviews for us. We sure appreciate it. It's worked phenomenally so send us topics yeah and if you got something that you want to hear us talk about even if it's turkeys we might save it till next year but uh we will talk about we still have some time we can discuss if we want to do it this year we can all right so this is the raised hunting crew signing off thank you guys very much